Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Acts 17, verse number 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews. I want to stop there and say he didn't just get stirred up. He did something about it. Hello? It's easy for us to get really tough and puffed up in here and talk some pretty tough talk. That God help us to get outside these walls and do something about it. He disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout per persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said what will this babbler say other some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods all because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus saying may we know what this new doctrine uh, whereof thou speakest is for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears we would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might fill after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live. Oh, hallelujah. For in him we live and move and have our being. I want to preach to you tonight for a few moments. I just simply want to preach. Let me live. Let me live. In him I live, I move, and have my being. And I'm here to proudly and boldly declare to this world, get out of my face and let me live. Would you lift your heart and help me pray one more time, Jesus? I love you. God, there is excitement in my heart tonight when I read your word. I am thankful, God, to know you through the power of the Holy Ghost. I am glad that I am an apostolic. I am glad that I have been washed by the blood of Jesus. God, I am glad that I can live in your spirit. Hallelujah. I'm glad tonight I do not worship a God that is dead. I am not here, God, to have a memorial service of you. 
But oh, there is a living, vibrant presence of the Holy Ghost inside this building. I pray, God, a revival of life would touch us. Help us, God, to explore the regions of life tonight. Let us live in the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, those in bondage tonight by sin, those in bondage tonight, God, by the hands of death, would you deliver them by the power of the gospel? Let them live in the Holy Ghost, God. To find that there is something in everything that God has made that has an innate desire to live and to succeed. I raised dogs for a few years and when I did I was uh, taught many, many things as I watched those little animals fight and survive and establish order. And I found that in animal life there is something called a pecking order. And a pecking order is uh, something that cannot be taught by a human. It is not anything that can be taught from one dog to another. But it is something that is within the soul or within the makeup or within the spirit of that animal that God intended it to possess. And it's something that you can watch happen in a few weeks, in a few months, in a new litter of puppies, I could find it being established as I begin to see the dominance that would begin to rise to the top. As inside that group of animals, there would be one who would let every one of those other puppies to understand, I know that I am your brother or your sister. I know that I am a litter mate. But there is something in me that says, I'm going to eat first. And whatever is left, that is what you get to eat. It happens in cattle. There are dominant animals that have made up their mind. I am going to be the first to eat and to drink. And if something else is left, then there uh, is going to be uh, eating and drinking for those that are behind me. Uh, animal husbandry and teachers of individuals who raise animals teach us that there is a law or a rule that sometimes they simply refer to as survival of the fittest. It is that one with the strongest will or the greatest desire. It is something that is in the spirit of that animal that says I'm going to eat first I don't care if there's a thousand animals out here there is something inside some of those animals that say I am going to be the one that is going to eat first I read a sign upon a building in a building many years ago that said in the jungle the tigers starve last. And I begin to think as I read that, there really is something to be said for resolve and determination and a made-up mind and an attitude that come what may, I'm going to live, I'm going to survive, and I'm going to come outside or on the other side of this thing, a victor and a conqueror. I want to preach to you tonight that God has not just placed this attitude inside we humans, nor has God just put it inside animal life 
or in plant life. But I believe it is the will of God if we can begin to look into what I'm going to preach tonight. We are going to see some of the characteristics of God that begin to rise to the top when we begin to understand that everything that has the fingerprint of God upon God has so determined and God has so ordained that it be a success, an achiever, amen, a scrapper, a fighter, and one that's going to come out on the end of this thing in victory. I'm preaching to you tonight. I've made up in my mind many years ago. I don't care what anybody else is going to do. I am going to be saved. And if I live to hear that trumpet sound, I'm going to be caught up in the air to be with him. I've made up my mind. It matters not to me what you choose to do, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. As for me and my house, I'm going to be saved. As for me and my house on a Thursday night, friend, you can eat if you don't want to, but if you don't want to eat, I'm going to have my face in the trough saying, come on, Holy Ghost, hallelujah. There is hunger in my spirit. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for God. I told my wife and my boys, I don't know how many times, I told them just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I talked to my boys again this week. I, the, the, one of the greatest tragedies that I feel could ever come into my life would be for my wife or my boys not to serve God. I, 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 don't, I don't think that, that anything could, could cut my heart uh, any more than for them not to serve God. I, I'm serious tonight. It would be easier to bury them than to see them backslide and lose out with God. It would be easier, and I, 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 I know tonight that I'm, I'm loading my wagon pretty, pretty heavy and pretty high when I say that, but I mean what I am saying tonight. It would be easier for me to accept that God has taken them than for me to accept the fact that somehow Satan beguiled them and they've lost out with God. I, I could think of nothing anymore that would destroy or devastate my soul than to understand that somehow something got into their life and has caused them to turn their back on God. But at the same time, I've told them this. I've told them this several times with, 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 with pain in my soul. I've told my wife, I said, baby, I want you to know I love you with everything that's in my heart. But if the day would come that you do not live for God, I'm here to tell you, I made up my mind before I ever even knew you that I was going to be saved and live for God I told my boys hey boys I want you to serve God but should you turn your back on him you're still going to find me in the house of God with a heart full of thanksgiving and a determined mind that God I'm going to make it I'm going to be saved I'm going to preach to you tonight church you better make up your mind come hell or high water I'm going to be saved I don't care what happens I'm going to be saved. I mean it. If you don't have a made up mind, you ain't going to be saved. If 
you're moved by every little wind of doctrine, you don't have a dime's chance worth of being saved. You got to make up your mind. It needs to be a resolute in your spirit. There needs to be something etched in blood across your heart that says, Jesus Christ, I know that you're going to help me, but I'm here to tell you, God, I don't care what comes against me. I made up my mind. I'm going to be saved. I'm telling you, friend, that's worth fighting about. That's something worth getting determined about. That's something worth getting your little hairdo messed up about. That, God, I'm going to be saved. That's why there's times you gotta fight your flesh. You gotta fight the weariness of your bones. You gotta fight what happened today. You gotta fight the weather. You gotta fight your spouse sometime. You gotta fight your kids sometime. You gotta fight your own flesh and your own attitudes and say, hey boy, you get back down there to the altar. You're gonna be saved. You're gonna live for God. You hear me tonight? You better make up your mind. I want to tell every man here tonight, you need to get some guts. I said you need to get some guts. Now I know to the esoteric and highbrow, that would be called fortitude. Resolve. I just feel like saying you need to get some guts. You need to get some guts to live for God. You got to get some guts to lead a wife to God. You got to get some guts to, to, to parent children. You got to get some guts to be used of God. You got to get some guts to be a leader. You got to get some guts uh, to fight against the devil and fight every spirit of hell. I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, I don't care what comes my way. You get out of my face. Uh, I'm going to live for God. Uh, I'm going to have the victory of the Holy Ghost. Uh, burning in my soul I don't I don't care if it's a Tuesday night Bible study I don't care if it's a Wednesday night prayer meeting I don't care if it's a Friday night youth service or, or if it's a Saturday night whatever you want to call it if you've made up your mind I am going to be saved friend you're going to fight every attitude every spirit every devil every personality and make sure God I don't care what anybody else does here tonight but there's one boy that's going to get a hold of God, here's one lady, hallelujah, that's going to plug into the mind of God. We, we delude ourselves and lie to ourselves by blaming everything on the devil. The devil is not the enemy of your soul. Devil was God's enemy. He done whipped him. Your enemy is you. My enemy's me. We want to blame everything on the devil. I'm telling you, the devil can't touch me. The devil can't touch you. The devil can't make me sin. The devil can't make me stay out of church. The devil can't make me quit paying tithes. The devil can't make me quit giving an offering. The devil cannot keep me out of the service of God. The devil, there ain't enough devils to pull my hands down. There ain't enough devils to shut my mouth. There's not enough devils to keep me out of an altar. I don't have a problem with him. I've got a problem with me. But I've made up my mind. I don't care what comes my way. I'm going to fight my way to the throne of God. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live. I said I'm going to live for God. 
Hallelujah. You can't talk bad about me enough to make me quit coming to church. Lie on me all you want to. You're the last person going to keep me out of the house of God. Call, call, call this sister right here and say, Well, you know, brother so and so. You think I'm going to sit at home because of somebody's ignorance and their stupidity and their backslidden condition? You think I'm going to say, Well, I ain't going to go back to that church because uh, everybody talks about me and nobody loves me. You ain't got guts enough to live for God. You just got to make up your mind. The whole world can talk about me, everybody can lie about me, they can print it in the newspaper, but ain't nobody going to keep me out of the house of God. Nobody's going to keep me from the altar. Nobody's going to keep me away from the throne. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I don't care if you get mad at me. That ain't going to keep me from loving God. I don't care if you tell about me. That ain't going to keep me from loving God. You know what? That's right, sis. Go ahead. Go ahead and run. If you want to run, you run. Let those people talk about you. It don't matter. You got victory in your heart. We're too intimidated by what people think. We're afraid somebody's going to make fun of us. Let's say, what are they trying to do? Spiritual? Be spiritual? What are they trying to do? Look holy? No, I'm just made up my mind. You can sit there if you want to, but I'm going to be saved. I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm going to be saved. Hallelujah! I may not be able to drive a nice car, but I'm still going to be saved. I may not be able to buy new clothes, but I'm going to live for God. Hallelujah! You may be a hypocrite, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You may be faking it, but I don't have to fake it. I'm plugged into the Holy Ghost. I'm touching God. And then run your mouth and say we don't love you. Get real. You don't have the guts. You don't have what it takes. If you get what it takes, it don't matter what anybody says. I'm going to be saved. Be saved. How do you know it? Because I said so. Yeah, but what about whatever? What about who? Yeah, but what about that situation? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. You know about last month. I don't know what you're talking about. That's how the devil operates. He runs to God and says, hey, God, did you see old Mark Peter tonight? He was running and acting like he was all doing something. Hey, God, you're the one that keeps the books. Do you know the Bible says Satan is an accuser of the brethren? There's a big difference between an accuser and a prosecutor. He can accuse, but he can't convict. He can accuse, but he can't prosecute. He can accuse, but he can't prove it. That's why when I get phone calls of accusation, I just know I'm talking to the devil. 
I don't care if they wear a three-piece suit and a Bible and carry a UPC card in their pocket. Satan's an accuser of the brethren. Here's the devil saying, God, come on. Now I heard him. He busted his thumb. He was up there helping Brother Smith do a roofing job. And I watched him take that big old roofing axe and just spread out that big old thumb. And God, it wasn't hallelujah or holy roller that he said. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Bill. You've been there. And God says, when was that? He says, January 8th. I was out there. And God flips through the book. Mm, January 8th, huh? Peter. Ooh, there's going to be thousands up here. Devil's getting nervous because every one of them stamped paid in full on everyone. Oh, yeah, here we are. Mark, Peter, yeah, got, got three little beautiful babies and a pretty wife. And, yeah, right here. Now, when were you saying that was, devil? January 8th. Let me check my entry for January here. What time you say that was? It's about, about noon. Sorry, devil. Now, I do see that there was an entry made there, but it's kind of messed up. There's just a big old spot of blood all over the page. The devil can't take me to hell. He can't take you to hell. He can't get my salvation. If I sin, I've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If I get in trouble, I'm going to go to church and say, God, I made a mistake, but forgive me. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be saved. Hallelujah. I'm here to preach to you tonight. There's blood all over your life. Just make up your mind. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be saved. <laughs> there ain't no devil big enough to make me be lost. There's not enough evil spirits to drag my soul to hell. I'm going to be saved. child of God you're on your way to glory you're on your way to victory you're not going down you're going up I said you're going up I don't think you understand I'm not here tonight to try and win some little gold pin from my lapel I didn't come tonight so that I can get another little star beside my little attendant's name. I came tonight because I made up my mind. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be saved. When the Lord comes, He's going to find me working. I don't care what you call me. Just call me saved. Hallelujah. I, you can call me all everything you want to, but one day the only thing you're going to be able to call me is gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be out of here. This last year, this last year was, was and has been the most severe rough, tragic 
depressing year of my life. I will not go into this, but you, you let me tell you something. A little over a year ago, right now, a year ago today, I was in the throes. In the throes. Not just for my soul, but for my sanity. I know what I'm talking about. I know what it is to sit in the chair of my living room and never get out of my pajamas for days on end because I thought I was losing my mind. I know what it is to walk the, walk the floors at night unable to sleep. I know what it is to see the eyes of my wife swollen red, face puffy, see my boys weeping and crying, not understanding sometimes the will of God. I know what it is to have the devil laugh at me. Brother Elder, I know what it is for him to move in in that room in the wee hours of the morning when sleep seemed like it was a million miles from me and laugh at me and mock me and say, you'll never preach another word again. You'll never, you'll never be able to speak coherent again. You'll never be able to get behind a pulpit and preach again. I know what it is for him to tell me, I'm going to steal everything you've got. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to leave you in my wake, a crushed, destroyed man. I know what it is, church, you hear me tonight, to leave a church that was begging me to stay where I was comfortable. I know what it is to live in the country club in a very large and nice home. I know what you hear me tonight. I know what it is to have a golf course in my backyard. I know what it is to, to live next to doctors and lawyers. I, I know what I'm talking about. I know what it is to be able to wear fine suits and, and buy nice shoes and drive nice cars and travel around. I know what that's like. I know, I know what I'm talking about tonight. I know what it is to pastor wealthy people. I know what it is to pastor a wealthy church. I, I know what I'm talking about tonight uh, you, you hear me tonight I pastored a church that was appraised at some four and a half million dollars it was paid for it was debt free God was helping us do, do something for the kingdom of God but I also know what it is to hear the call of God and God say hey boy I know this is fixing to rip your soul in two but I'm telling you it's time for you to roll it's time for you to do my bidding and do my will and not let anything in your eyes destroy you but oh the wrestle oh the struggle oh the pain oh the torment but I'm here to preach to you tonight because I had a resolve because my mind was made up I decided God I'm going to preach my way out of my problems I'm going to preach to myself until I start believing what I'm saying amen and I'm telling you tonight I don't care what you go through as long as you hold on to the hand of God you can fight your way out of anything and come out on the other side with victory and glory and power working in your life I hope you don't think I'm being arrogant tonight I'm not I just want to let you know I know a little bit about trouble you can't talk to me about heartbreak and heartache don't talk to me about it make up your mind I'm going to be saved 
Well, I just feel like someone needs to lift their hands right now and love God. Hallelujah! 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 I'm not being arrogant. I want you to hear me tonight. I know what it's like to live in custom homes. Built by designers. I know. I know. I know what it's like to have interior decorators come to your home and treat your windows, treat your walls, coordinate everything. I know what that's like. I know what I'm preaching about tonight. I know what it's like to drive a Mercedes. I know what the ride's like. I know how it handles. I know. I know. But if your hope is in that stuff, that stuff can be jerked out from beneath your feet in a New York second. If you're just serving God for things, friend, you'll never make it when the crunch time comes. If you're just a fair-weather child of God and you can serve Him as long as your wallet's full and your belly's full and your cupboard's full, I'm here to tell you, you'll never make it when the shaking comes. If you're living for God as nothing more than just a little candy kind of attitude, I can eat cotton candy and I can drink the syrup and eat the, eat the snow cones and, oh, I love it when Pastor Elder just gets up there and doles it out to me and gives me the candy and gives me all the sweet things and on and on and on and on. And, oh, I want to testify tonight. God's been good to me and given me a raise on my job and, and I got this and I got that and I got this and, oh, I want to thank God. I'm here to tell you, friend, if that's all you've got, you ain't got nothing worth your soul. You ain't got nothing. But I'm telling you, if you get it down in your guts uh, that says, God, if I don't have two pennies to rub together, I don't got a pot to cook in. Uh, I got holes in the bottom of my shoes. Uh, my suits are ripped up. Uh, but God, if the devil thinks that's going to keep me out of church, uh, he's an idiot. Uh, I'm here to preach to you tonight. There ain't nothing that can come your way uh, that's going to separate you from the love of God. Make up your mind. I'm going to live. I'm for you to come to church. <laughs> if you're on medicine, it's 9.18. You got to be home at 9.30 to take your pills. Goodbye. Drive careful. We love you. See you tomorrow night. If you can make it back. If the devil doesn't be too bad to you tomorrow. We'll see you. I'm going to tell you something. I hate the devil. I hate him. I hate him. But I'll tell you something else I hate. I hate lazy people. I don't hate their soul. But I hate their attitudes. I hate being around them. They can't do this because of that. 
They can't do this because of that. They can't do this because of that. Get out of my face. I don't even want to talk to you. You're supposed to give me sympathy. I don't want to give you a second of my time. I don't have time for that. You know the, kind, you know, you know the ones I want to be around? I want to be around those that's got patches on their britches that said, they ain't, this, this pair of pants can't get enough holes in them, I can't wear them. I'll just put another patch on them. They're the kind of people that, that can fix anything with a pair of pliers, duct tape, a roll of baling wire, a little bit of electrical tape, and some of Brother Bill's. Ow! They can get anything going. Some people, they can't function unless it's on silver and china and a red carpet rolled out and they're rolling down the road on Michelin's. Oh God, you can't build a church on people like that. But you give me some that's like a junkyard dog that'll say, I don't care what kind of bone you throw over here. I'm going to chew it. I'm going to eat it. I don't care if a hundred feet of snow fall. You're going to find me scratching and clawing and getting my way on the top. I believe I'm preaching to people here tonight that's made up their mind. I'm going to live for God, come what will, I'm going to be saved. I was reading about survival. And there was a little, a little story that caught my mind about a miner in, in the, the diamond mines of Africa. And this miner had a hobby. He was a horticulturalist. He, he loved to grow green things. He had gone to school, studied some botany, and uh, he was impressed by gardens and growing things and trees and, and leaves. And he had to work in, he had to work in, a, in an environment that was not conducive to growing plants. He worked where there was no sun. He worked where there wasn't soil. There was just rock. He worked in an environment that the only oxygen that was down there was oxygen that was pumped down there. He worked in an environment that was pitch black except for artificial light that permeated the cracks and crevices of the mine. And it started wearing on this man every day. He had to go see blank walls, rock, granite, the pounding of air hammers, the crushing of ore. It bothered him because he never saw anything grow. Nothing ever went up. Everything was always going down, tearing down walls. He didn't mine upwards. They mined down, down, down. And so he approached his, his boss and he said, Sir, he said, I, I hope you'll understand what I'm talking about, but it would do me so much good if every now and then on my shift I could see something living, something alive. And he persuaded his foreman to allow him to take a plant that was indigenous to that country down on one of the, the levels of the mine where he worked. And he promised the foreman that it was not going to be obtrusive, it wasn't going to be in the way, it, it was not a large plant. It, 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 at its mature state, 
It reached a full mature height of six inches tall. It did not vine and run, but it, it, was, it was a beautiful plant that, that you could shape. And sometimes they could do some type of bonsai with this plant. And, and so the foreman said, well, yeah, if, it, if it's like that, I'm sure that it won't be in no trouble. He said, I'll put it in a small pot and I'll, I'll keep it here out of the way. But the miner knew every day for a few hours when the sun passes over. The sun reflects down that shaft and on this little platform it would get a little bit of reflected light. And the miner thought if, if I just give it some attention, feed it well and make sure it gets a little bit of reflected light, perhaps this thing will survive. And so it was that he placed the plant there and he watched it and, and some of the people called him weird and some of his miners thought he was going crazy because... He's taking a little plant down in the mine, but it, it, it felt good for that man to see something living and growing. He'd water it and he'd feed it and he'd prune it. And he'd make sure, he'd, he'd shift it and make sure that I can get just as much reflected light on this thing as I can every day. And Day after day after day, he'd, he'd notice that plant and something began to happen. And that, little, that little plant that he had never seen before. Just a couple of weeks, that plant had altered its shape and altered the way that it usually grew. And that plant that usually peaked out at six inches, in no time it was nine inches tall and then a foot tall. And in the process of days turning into weeks, it went from one foot to ten foot, from ten feet to thirty to 30 feet to 60. By this time, news had begun to circle around that part of the world and begin to filter through all of the botanists and horticulturalists around the world that truly there is a remarkable something happening down inside the shaft in Africa. A plant that normally should peak out at 6 inches of height it has gone from 6 inches to 60 and from 60 to 90. At 90 feet in height, it was 30 feet from the mouth of that shaft. And science, scientists begin to scratch their head and mumble to one another. And there was a growing conviction that if they give it a little bit of time, the resolve inside that plant to find the source of its life was going to find a way to get out of the depths of that mind. And true to their thinking, 120 feet later, that plant emerged at the top of the mine to grow six more inches. And at 120 feet, six inches, it reached a height that said, this is all I need to be in contact with the sun. I read on. I read about a plant in Jamaica. I clipped out the article and I'm reading it to you tonight. And I quote it when it says, there is a plant in Jamaica called the life plant. It is impossible to kill or destroy any part of it. Some of you husbands need to buy this kind for your wife. 
This stuff's better than silk. They say if you detach a leaf from the plant and suspend it by a string and tie the string on a bare wire that's stretched out in space, it will not wilt. It refuses to die. Instead, it sends out thread-like rootlets which will imbibe sustenance from the moisture in the air and hang it on a string suspended by a wire. New leaves and new roots begin to grow. When I read that, something bust inside of me. When I read that, I am here to tell you, I could not read it and keep my mouth shut or read it and just sit in the chair. Something exploded inside of me. And I said, God, if you can put that in a little green bush, how much more have you placed in the soul of people that's been redeemed by the blood who's been filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm here to preach to you tonight. They can tear me limb from limb, but they cannot take away my Holy Ghost. They cannot take away the determination that's in my spirit. I'm going to live for God no matter what comes my way. In Boston, oyster fishermen begin to get very disturbed because it seemed like starfish had overtaken their oyster beds. And instead of catching oysters, they were now catching starfish. And the starfish were destroying them. And so these fishermen made up their mind. Oh friend, I want you to understand if God can put this in the little, tiniest little pieces of his creation what much more and how much more is inside you and i tonight those oyster fishermen made up their mind i tell you what we're going to do we'll just start fishing for starfish and we'll try and fish him out of here and so they caught starfish and brother peter these fishermen were stupid they were ignorant they were ignorant they did not understand mutation and they got so aggravated, they said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to start catching these things and cutting them up into a bunch of pieces and throw them back overboard and send a message back down to all the starfish. Much to their ignorance, God has so placed it in, in, in some, some sea life. They mutate. You cut a starfish up in five pieces, you're going to have five starfish in a couple of weeks. You cut it up in ten pieces, you're not going to kill it. You're going to have ten starfish. You cut them up in a hundred pieces, you ain't going to kill it. You're going to have a hundred starfish. Oh, friend, I'm, I'm here to serve notice on the devil tonight. If you know what you're doing, buddy, you'll never touch me. If you know what you're doing, you'll never mess with God's church. If you've got a lick of sense at all, you're not going to try and mess me up. Uh, because when you try and divide us, uh, you're not going to kill us. Uh, we're just going to mutate in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and where there was just one of us, uh, there's not going to be a hundred of us. Uh, I'm here to tell you, it don't matter what life dishes out. Uh, I don't care how tough it gets. Uh, I'm just going to come back stronger in the Holy Ghost. Because uh, my mind's made up. I'm going to be saved. I don't care what happens. 
Oh, somebody ought to help me live for God. Somebody ought to help me love God. Somebody ought to help me let God know. God, you're looking at a church uh, who's got its mind made up, uh, whose feet's on the rock. We're going to be saved. You know what the writer Luke said? Luke said he's not a God of the dead, but of the living. For all live unto him. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I'm here to tell you, friend, if you want to live, only way you can live is to live in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of God. There is no life outside of the gospel. I, I beg to differ with you tonight when you tell me you're just going to live in your sins. It is impossible to live in sin. You can die in sin, and you can exist in sin, but the only way you can live is live in the gospel. The only way you can live is to live in the glory of the Holy Ghost. The only way you can live is in the Spirit. I'm preaching to you tonight. Why settle to exist like an animal in this world? Why don't you say, God, I want to live. I want to taste life that can come through the gospel. Let's lift our hands and love Him right now. Let's worship Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's love Him. Hallelujah. David cried and said, The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seeketh God. <laughs> That's why I say, Get out of my way if you're going to try and stop me from seeking God. Because the Bible says, the heart shall live that seeketh God. Get out of my face if you're saying I'm making too much noise. Get out of my face if you say I'm messing up this service because I'm dancing and shouting and magnifying God. My Bible tells me, the heart that seeketh God, it shall live. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you tonight, I did not come to church to look at your pretty dress. I'm not here to see your shiny shoes or to see your new suit. I came here tonight to say God my heart's in a quest my heart is searching to find the moving of the Holy Ghost I'm going to touch God because I'm going to live just like that little plant in the bottom of the mine I don't care how deep you want to tell me my burdens are I don't care how deep you say I am I'm going to fight I'm going to claw for a new corner, a little field mouse, it's even going to back up and try and defend itself. You corner a cricket, it's going to fight you. You corner an ant, it's going to try and bite you. And some of us roll over and play dead when trouble comes. My God, you ought to have at least the guts of an ant. The courage of a cockroach. The resolve of a field mouse. Some of us roll over and let the devil walk all over us. We roll over and let life just trample us. We roll over and just let the army boots of oppression just march all over us. Why in God's name don't you rise up and say, get out of my way. I've done made up my mind. I'm going to live for God. Oh, come on, child of God. You want to get out of your corner. You want to quit singing sorry songs. 
for yourself and quit having little pity parties why don't you just make up your mind I don't care what happens I don't care what they say I'm gonna live for God I'm gonna fight my way out of whatever I'm in I'm gonna be saved I woke up in a hospital brother elder I was crushed by 13 tons of earth moving equipment both of my back both of my shoulder blades were smashed together big old traco fell on top of me I was laying waterline shooting grade in the desert Christopher my oldest son was just about six weeks old happened in 1978 I don't remember it but they said I was code blue when they got me to the hospital no vitals nothing going on and but they didn't understand God had plans they didn't understand God can do what man cannot do brother Bill the, the earliest thing I can remember was them running me pushing me into a surgery room and there was a little Asian surgeon I want to tell you how God works it just so happened the hospital they took me to there was a a special team that was there that day to demonstrate the latest techniques of massive chest trauma or thoracic trauma and they just quote-unquote happened to be there and they wheeled me right into the hands of this team and this team I remember coming to kind of I was partly conscious they were running me into into surgery and and that doctor was screaming in my ear. You, you probably know what I'm talking about. It seemed like he was a million miles away, but I could hear him. And he was telling me, sir, you're a very critical man. You are very sick, and we're going to see what we can do to give you some life. Later on, they told me I had zero respiration. I was not breathing. I had no blood pressure. And they were screaming in my ear as they were wheeling me into surgery said we are having that we have to strap you down physically and cut you open and the reason we got to strap you down is because we can't give you anything for pain because pain medication slows down respiration and blood pressure and you don't have you don't have any I had to have some I had to have something but it wasn't enough to register I remember I had enough I had enough awareness to get across to them don't whatever you do don't tie me down I made a deal with the doctor I said take one of them rags and stuff it in my mouth and give let me fight I said if I fight you you can strap me down but if you strap me down I'm gone I, I, I gotta I gotta know that I can fight I remember he folded that thing up and stuck it in my mouth and 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 I bit down on that dude and they wheeled me in there and 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 and, and they rubbed betadine all over me and 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 stuck stuck it to me and you can only take so much pain and then you're gone best pain medicine in the world called shock and friend I got shocked and uh, I remember I remember when I was unconscious I remember screaming in my head I remember preaching to myself saying boy I don't care what is wrong with me right now but you've got a young wife and a little baby boy and the call of God's on your life 
and God's on your side. I don't care how big this mountain is. You're going to make it all the way to the top. You're going to get out of this place and live for God. Oh, I'm here to tell you. I wasn't backslidden. I was living for God. But oh, something happened to me. Brother Elder, when I was on life support and, and everything was being pumped and breathed for me and, and on a respirator and all of that stuff, I, I could not speak one word. But in my mind, I was screaming, I'm going to make it. 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 My wife later told me I drove the nurses crazy because I refused to sleep. I would not shut my eyes because I had a resolve inside of my heart. As soon as I get these tubes out of me, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to live. I'm just a young man. I ain't ready to die. It was just a couple of days I was in intensive care. That's not a, a phrase of speech. It was just a couple of days. I got word to the doctor through my nurses, if you don't get me out of this bed and walk and let me walk, I'm going to get myself out of bed. For the first few days, I laid in there on the slant board. They pulled me out of the ditch with. They just cut my clothes open. They didn't give us no hope. I done made up my mind. I ain't dying. I ain't going to roll over and give to this stuff. God's going to heal me. I drove them nuts writing notes, writing letters, bugging them, hassling them. I wouldn't go to sleep. I refused to go to sleep. My wife said she'd walk in there. My eyes were wild. I was, she don't know what was going on inside this dude. I was saying, hey, you better get out of my way. I'm fixing to get off this thing. They were telling me, man, you're going to be busted up and laid out and on and on and on. Your lungs are shredded and all of this and all that. And that was true, but they didn't understand the will to live. few days later they pulled the tubes out of my mouth they would to god they'd have never pulled it out of my mouth i really start to being demanding then get me out of this bed one day i couldn't feel my legs i couldn't make them move i don't know if you was ever there but i couldn't move them i thought my god i'm paralyzed and i said no i ain't paralyzed i just can't move there's a difference i said there's a difference you sit there and sup that junk, you're going to get it. That's why some people like to go around sick. Oh, pray for me, I got a cold. Well, go ahead and accept it and have it. I ain't going to have it. I don't care if I got the symptoms. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I don't care. I'm healed. I'm here to tell you, if you want to live, you can live. If you want to have victory, have victory. If you want joy, get joy. If you want to be used of God, get used of God. So I, they laughed at me. They laughed at me and said, you can't even sit up, much less walk. I said, if you don't sit me up, I'm going to sit myself up. You understand, I had chest tubes. I was wired for sound. Just let me leave it there. Bugged them nurses so much they came in and said, Okay, sir, you can sit up, then we'll talk about walking. Because they laughed. They knew I couldn't sit up. Sat me up. My world turned upside down. Everything spun, got black. I busted out in sweat. Everything. I couldn't see nothing that got black. I was hurting. My, I felt like my whole chest was falling down in my socks. But I refused the blackout. I said, I ain't going to let these nurses laugh at me. And I just held on to the side of the bed and things started clearing. I could see again. I told him, I'll walk later. 
I wasn't about to tell him I was hurting. I just said, I'll walk later. I said, see, I told you I could stand up. I, I said, see, I told you I could sit up. I'll wait till later to walk. That evening I was bugging him. I got my wife. I said, baby, you're fixing to see me walk. My friend, I'm in intensive care. She kind of gave me that little knowing smile. You know, she knew I was half crazy anyhow. I got up. I sat back up. The world spun, but not as bad. Had one of them old dumb robes on. I said, baby, you get tape and tape this dude up. Tape it up. Did I say it? I said it. I didn't want nobody looking at me. I swung them legs out of bed. I'm, I'm here to help somebody. God's talking to somebody here tonight. Swung them legs out of bed. Blood ran down to my feet. I thought, oh God, I done overloaded my wagon big time. You talk about hurt. Oh. I wasn't about to let them women know I was hurting though. You can call me chauvinist if you want to. I don't care why. I'm just saying I ain't about to roll over and give up. Finally, my wife pushed a group of machines. The nurses pushed a group of machines. I'm still hooked up, man. The doctor said, you're foolish. I said, I'm walking. And I leaned on some machines and I, I started doing the shuffle, man. I shuffled out of my room. I shuffled down the hall. I was pushing machines and I had a big old grin on my head. I said, devil, I done whipped you again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth. The next day I got out of bed by myself and got myself into the bathroom in my room. My head was needing washed. I was digging in lime and the lime had eaten my skin and my scalp. And I wanted my head washed. And they wouldn't wash it because they said, if you get pneumonia, you're gone. Your lungs are shredded anyhow. I found me some Castile soap. Anybody know what Castile soap's all about? Some of you do. You don't use it to wash your hands, okay? It's used for other things. I didn't know that. All I thought is it's soap and I'm fixing to wash his head. I had my head in the sink. Soap all in my head. And loving it, man, just digging on that head. When I set off all the alarms, I, still, I pushed my machines in the room. And they came in there and screamed and hollered, and some of them cussed me. And I laughed at them as the soap ran down my face. I said, I told you to wash my head, but you wouldn't wash it. So I got that dude washed as they were putting me in bed. I ne they never put me on the normal floor. They never would put me back in a normal ward. They knew this guy's nuts. I drove them crazy. I said, I'm here to tell you, God healed me. I thank you for what you're doing. But you know, I'm a walking miracle. And they, they had to admit it. They had to admit it. It was just a matter of days. I walked out of that hospital. I ain't never been sick since. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you make up your mind, I don't care what comes against you, you can live. Oh, let's stand and live for God. Let's stand and love God. Some of you need to get out of your corner. You need to come out fighting and say, bless God, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be saved.
My God, my God, some of you ought to get mad at yourself and mad at a lying people and get mad at an attitude that says you're less than a child of God. You're a child of God. Live for him. Sit there and let the devil tell you you're going to be lost and go to hell. Why don't you tell him where he's going? Every time he brings up your past, why don't you bring up his future? Every time he talks about what you used to be, why don't you tell him what he is and what you're fixing to do to him? Why don't you tell him, one day I'm going to pine you. One day I'm going to chain you. One day I'm going to help God cast you into a pit. My God, child of God, get out of your cave. Get out of your corner. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Live for God. You can be saved. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. There ain't no devil that can stop this church. There ain't no spirit that can shut down revival. We're going to live for God. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Some of you ought to rebuke every spirit, rebuke every attitude. You ought to pray yourself through. You ought to quit feeling sorry for yourself and get some conviction. My God, I'm going to live for God. Hallelujah. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, what are you waiting on? You ought to come down here and throw up your hands and receive the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Why don't you let the gospel touch you? Why don't you be born and get a water in the spirit? Why don't you repent of your sins? Why don't you let the glory of the Holy Ghost touch you? Oh, come on, young people. Worship God. Live for God. Reverse the peer pressure. Amen. It can't keep you from living for God. You can turn around now if you want to. Have it for me in my house.